0: So on this episode, we're going to dive into a couple of things. Uh, I always like to jump right in and start right off the gate. First of all, welcome back uh, to episode number four. So uh, I want to talk about something that has came across my desk is NBC's Peacock streaming service. Okay, so everybody knows that about streaming services and how you can watch films, you know, like Netflix and all that. And so, of course, NBC has one called Peacock. Well, Peacock just ordered a 13-episode run of Frogger. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> right out the gate. Huh? Frogger? Yeah, the old-school 1980s video game Frogger has been ordered a 13-episode run by NBC's Peacock streaming service. Now... How could they turn Frogger into a television show? Well, they could make a Frogger character, and then, you know, you follow that character around or something to that effect. But what their plan is, is to actually turn it into a physical competition. Something like in the terms of, like, how they came out with Holy Moly or that show Wipeout. It's where it'll be multiple contestants trying to get across different obstacles, whether that be, like, Alligators in the water or hippos or things like that. They're trying to cross, or like a even like there's a street they try to cross with like cars coming and they can get knocked up, knocked back, knocked off into the water. It's a physical competition for contestants to try to win money just by getting across the obstacles themselves. Now, their plan is to have a series of 12 obstacle courses slash crossings for the contestants to get across. Now, there hasn't got any more too many more details other than that, but their plan is to have it be a record like a game show, like to have it to where they can get money. So, I, I'm curious to see on how much money someone will try to win to take a nosedive in the water. <laughs> uh, but it sounds fun, it sounds interesting. Taken from you know the 1981 game developed by Konami, published by Sega, uh, it was one of the biggest hits of the 80s. If you remember Frogger, if I know you dad gamers out there remember Frogger. Everybody had a moment where they <laughs> they sat down and they played Frogger. And for those of you that played on the Atari 2600, you may even remember a game called Freeway where you played as a chicken trying to cross the street. Same kind of concept here. But for them to be able to turn another video game film or no, or another excuse me, for them to be able to turn another video game franchise into some kind of TV show or movie just leads me to believe that you know we we've, we've done the comic book thing we've done the Avengers and DC and we've for the last since 2008 have ran through the gauntlet of all of these comic book movies or comic book type films or excuse me type TV shows and maybe maybe Hollywood's now turning their eye to video games maybe that's the new that's the new hook especially with as well as Sonic the Hedgehog did. Now, we all know, if you're on the internet, you should know that the original look for Sonic the Hedgehog was, and I agree, garbage, uh, creepy looking, looked nothing like what anyone would imagine. So the redo that they did made that movie adorable and great. But it's always good to see Hollywood change directions and try new things because it seems to me like they do a lot of rehashing of old stuff. Like, we're going to see a lot of the 80s TV shows and... And movies come back around right now. Uh, if you're walking down your local Walmart uh, toy section, you will probably come across the Masters of the Universe He-Man figures, Ghostbusters with the you know the original Ghostbusters toys, GI Joe with the file cards. You know all of these classic '80s toys that we as dads grew up with are all on the shelf right now for our kids to enjoy or let's be honest for us to buy again. Now, of course, the prices are reflective of that. <laughs> they all they each run about $15 a pop, which if my memory serves right was probably about twice as what they used to cost back in the day. Um but anyways, it looks like I said, it looks like Hollywood is turning its face or head towards video games to be the next outlet of line of movies and TV shows or that we get spewed upon us I should say uh but moving forward though I'm excited I am mean, excited to see that I'm excited to find out more it is listed right now as the biggest non-scripted pitch to date for Peacock so Peacock is actually taking a big gamble with this now they have to go up against people like Hulu Disney Plus is a big player we all know that if you watch any of the Marvel series stuff and right now, just a side note, I'm totally hooked on Wandavision, and you know they have to go up against. Anyways, they have to go up against Netflix, and it's it's interesting to see Peacock like say, okay, we're gonna take a chance here on a on a video game title on a video game item or uh, franchise. That I mean, it's done well. Let's be honest, Frogger has done decent considering it came out. Like I said, it came out and it launched in 1981. It's done decent. It has over like 30 different titles of Frogger. That's right. There are 30 different versions of Frogger uh, across multiple systems. Like as far back, again, as far back as the Atari 2600. Uh, I know Commodore 64 back in the day had a version of it. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, so on and so forth. And it goes right up the line. I don't don't know if there's a new, new version of it today on the the current gen systems. I haven't looked, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. Again, 30 different titles across multiple platforms. So why not? I guess Peacock's fi- figuring this would be something everybody would be able to recognize. Let's give it a go. So boom, they ordered 13 episodes, and there is now. The big question is: Well, when does it come out? Is it? On, it's not on Peacock now. No, this literally was just announced two days ago. So they are just putting it together. If you're curious and want to be part of the competition, I will begin to dig and try to find information out and give you on future podcasts on where and how to be part of the Frogger physical competition TV show on Peacock. But as it stands right now, since this is just a pitch, Peacock has just ordered the episodes, there is no place where, or there's no ability, I should say, to... Get to be part of it yet? Again, I'll dig. I'll try to find you. If you follow, if you follow us on Instagram or you follow us on Twitter, chances are the first bit of information will be pop up on there. So again, you can follow us at Dad Gamers Podcast on Instagram or Dad Gamer Podcast, no S, on Twitter, and of course check out DadGamersPodcast.com for. Your ability and chance to win a $25 Xbox Live code giveaway. Now, February's giveaway has already been picked. It's already happened. And I will announce who it is towards closer towards the end of this podcast. Moving along. Our friends over at mentalfloss.com have come up and have dug in to The Legend of Zelda. Do you remember The Legend of Zelda? the old gold cartridge for the NES that you had back in the day and how you would stick it in and then it would work after a while and you had to pull it out and blow on it and put it back in. And it was, but it, you would probably, if you were like me, you didn't want to walk away from the game. So you would leave your system on overnight <laughs> and let it sit and be on. So you didn't have to mess with it in the morning. Well, they have come over at MentalFloss.com. They have come up with a list and I've jotted down some of them. Now they have a lot, much longer list and I think I got a majority of them here, of different things that you didn't know about The Legend of Zelda. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take the next few minutes here, and I'm going to list off the things that you may or may not know about The Legend of Zelda. And if you know them, great. But to be honest with you, as a gamer myself and as a, as a video game collector, I was even like, huh, I didn't know that. I was really, you know, shocked by some of it. So the first thing is, do you remember... You remember as a child playing and and getting the Nintendo Power Magazine? And if you remember, in the back of the Nintendo Power Magazine, for a little, small, a small little while, they had a number you could call, like an 800 number that you could call for tips and tricks for games. Like, you would call, and it would be like, okay, welcome, you know, thank you for calling Nintendo Power. And then they, you would talk to somebody on the phone and how to get through a certain area. Well... The reason why that was even made was because of The Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda was the reason why Nintendo came out with that one line. In fact, it became so popular because so many people were, I don't want to say lost or stuck or confused on some of the things for Legend of Zelda, that Nintendo actually turned it into a 1-900 number later on, which would allow them to be able to charge per phone call. Now, I got to be honest... I do remember spending a couple bucks, and trying not to stay on the phone very long because it was by the minute. But spending at least a few dollars trying to get tips and tricks on the Legend of Zelda, trying to figure stuff out. I remember one phone call I made. Uh, they were told me they basically said, "Yeah, there's no, there is no secret code or no super secret tricks that you could do uh, for a game." And I'm not, I can't remember what the game was, but I remember it was disappointing. But that's neither here nor there. So, The Legend of Zelda is the reason why Nintendo had to come out with a 1-800-tips line, specifically for North America. Now, the, the, it, it, the game had already released in Japan, and they didn't have that opportunity, but Nintendo knew that uh, the Americans were going to be kind of antsy about it and want to know more, so they did have a tip line start because of that. Now, during the, the progress of Zelda, The Legend of Zelda being created... Keep in mind, that was during the heyday, or the the beginning of the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. So Mario was designed literally simultaneously as Zelda. And one of the things that a lot of people didn't know was that they specifically made The Legend of Zelda that top-down view so that it would feel completely different than the Mario game side-scroller. So this way, you, when you played Mario you kind of had a set course. You know, you were going from left to right. You were always knew you had to get to the end to get to the castle to check to see if the princess was there, which, let's be honest, bitch never was there. So you had to to keep going. Now, when it came to Zelda, they were like, well, let's make this a top-down view and we'll change it up a little bit because we'll give it a different feel. We'll give it to where there's not so linear of a, of a path drawn out on where you're supposed to go. Now, because of that... Because of that non-linear path, that, that tend to make things uh, a little bit more difficult. Hence, again, hence the reason they had the 800 number. But then they decided, see, because in another thing that came out was in J- the Japan, the Japanese version of The Legend of Zelda, the sword that you got, that Link's sword, which if you remember correctly in, in the original game, in the North American version, you had to play like a cave level to get to the end, and it was like, here's the sword. Well, in the Japanese version, you were given the sword literally right out the gate. It was like, you woke up, and it was, here you go, take the sword. Well, it turns out that Mr. Miyamoto, the creator of Legend of Zelda had heard early testers being disgruntled about the unclear objectives or, you know, the nonlinear path and not understanding because they were given the sword right away, not understanding what they had to do. So he went in and actually is the one that said, let's take the sword out and make it so that they have to get the sword or uh, an option to find the sword. Now, keep in mind, another thing, you don't need the sword to beat the game. Technically, uh, let me re- let me reiterate that. Technically, you do need the sword to beat the game, because at the very end, Ganon is the only one that can get hurt by the sword. But all the other enemies can be defeated without the sword. So you could t- kind of go through the whole game without defeating the final boss and without the sword. But again, Miao- Miyamoto took out the sword because he had heard the early testers basically just being pissy about not knowing where to go, what to do. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the sword out. Now you can try to figure it out. You can try to figure out where to go. You can try to figure out what to do. This actually was better because it actually allowed the testers to try to talk with themselves and figure out what was a good gameplay strategy to play, which, you know, led to more conversations, which is what he kind of wanted. Now, also, since we were talking about the Mario game and the Zelda game being developed at the exact same time, One of the other things that some people were able to notice was that there was a crossover. Well, when I say crossover, um, it was a character crossover. And I don't mean Mario and Zelda themselves. But because the studios were being created or were creating the games at the same time, the Mario crossover inside of Link, or Legend of Zelda, was the Piranha Plant. Do you remember? There was a couple of spots, not every single spot, but a couple of spots where there were pipes... And there was piranha plant sticking out in The Legend of Zelda. Well, that was a tip of the hat to the Mario games. And now, to go the other way, to go to the Mario games and say, okay, well, where's their tip of the hat to The Legend of Zelda? You have to look at Mario 3. Now, we all remember Mario Brothers 3, especially since it was in that movie The Wizard, and how you were able to rip through Super Mario Bros. 3 fairly quickly with the warp whistles, Well, the warp whistle sound, if you remember correctly, that (whistles) warp whistle sound that came through was actually developed using the recorder for The Legend of Zelda. So that's where they get their tip of the hat to The Legend of Zelda. It was actually Super Mario Bros. 3, the warp whistle sound. Also, one more thing that was available in the Japanese versions in a very, very early, very early, like beta alpha maybe even testing of the legend of zelda for the nes was the ability to build your own dungeons that's right you were able to there was original plan for players to be able to go in and build their own legend of zelda dungeons and then try to get through them or try to have their friends try to get through them but they found that it was i don't want to say confusing But it just took a lot of time, and it felt like a very much of a slowdown of the game. So even though the game was an adventure, and I'm sure like you all played Mario Maker or maybe with your kids, and they've made these crazy levels, or seen at least some of these crazy levels being played, but that was an actually original idea way back, way back in the day. But anyways, moving on to the name, Zelda. Now we all know that that's not the character you play as. it was a long discussion I had to have with my kids about that is not Zelda, that's Link, and Zelda is the princess you're trying to rescue. So the name Zelda itself, and has been I want to say synonymous with the Nintendo brand. But where did the name Zelda come th- from? So even though the whole Legend of Zelda was, you know, despite being made in Japan and being a Japanese originally a Japanese type game. The name was actually from an Alabamian native. That's right, I said Alabama native. Uh, Miyamoto confirmed that Zelda Fitzgerald, a novelist and feminist wife of F. Scott Fitzgerald, who, side note, was the writer of Great Gatsby, was the inspiration for the name. So, after all of these years, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, 41 years old and finally found out that Zelda was actually named after F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda Fitzgerald. <laughs> wow. Uh, not that that's a big revelation or it needs to be anything, but I thought they literally just invented the name. Like, I have never heard, never heard it prior to that, so I thought it was something that was invented. But nope, it was actually taken from there. Now, the character you play as, Link, his name, I was like, oh, well, for sure... For sure, it's got to be connected to somebody or something else, and the reason why they want it to be called, him to be called Link. Yeah, that's um, not as popular, or I should say, is not as imaginative <laughs> as I thought it was going to be. Uh, Nintendo's position, specifically on Link's name, is to say that he is the quote-unquote link between the player and the game. Now. That sounds corny, but that is Nintendo's position on that. So, in case you didn't know, now you know where <laughs> Link and Zelda have got their names from. Now, speaking of where they got names from, the other thing that they did pull from was the Triforce. Now, we all know what the Triforce. The Triforce was in every, or is, let me phrase that, is in every single Legend of Zelda game. It is the Back and forth, the past, the future, it allows the, the travel. It is the emblem, the Triforce. It's the model of basically the game, the, the symbol, the triangular symbol. You know what I'm talking about. It's hard to kind of describe on a podcast, but you get it. But the Triforce was actually modeled after an emblem for the Hojo clan, which was a powerful Japanese family in the 14th century of Japan. So there was actually already a symbol for this powerful family and Nintendo Miyamoto kind of redesigned it I guess a little bit I don't I don't have the original symbol but redesigned it a little bit and came up with the Triforce now the name of the symbol originally is Mitsuroko which in translated stands for the three dragon scales so the fact that there's nothing to do with like you know riding of dragons <laughs> in the legend the original in the original legend of zelda i was shocked uh because i figured it to have it mean the three dragon scales that they kind of were gonna lean that way to have some kind of dragon something in that game but they never did and last but not least to sum up a little bit here that you may or may not have known this is another the last little key fact that i have about the legend of zelda now i didn't know this i th- I thought about it for a while, and I was like, did I really, did I ever try it? I didn't try it as a kid, and I didn't know this, and it may, you may have known this, you may, you may all have played this, you may have done this, I didn't as a kid, I, you know, raise my hand, hey, not me, I didn't do it, unfortunately. But the original game cartridge of The Legend of Zelda, which, if I remember correctly, we all, it was gold, everybody remembers it being the only, oh, it's gold, ooh, gold, and, but when you put the original Legend of Zelda gold cartridge, into the NES Nintendo Entertainment System and turned it on, you could actually name your save file Zelda, Z-E-L-D-A, and if you did, it would actually unlock, right there at the beginning of the game, a second quest altogether. Now, in most video games, when you do a second quest or you do, you know, a plus one level type thing where you've beaten the entire game and now you can do the new game plus with all your weapons. And that's, that's something they've done many, many times over the years with many different games. But this, and, and, and in turn, when they did that, you would just get, you know, the same, it was the same game, but the enemies were faster or harder or there was more of them or you could take less hits. And there was always there was a challenge to make it a little bit more difficult since you completed the game. And it was just a way to get you to replay the game. Well, this time around, back in the day, if you'd have used the word Zelda as your save file, you could have actually went and done a second quest, which was in a completely different layout, a completely different map style, and a completely different area for you to go around in the Zelda game. I had no idea about this. That's essentially like almost like having two games in one cartridge, but they didn't tell anybody. So, if you still have your old NES system, and you still have The Legend of Zelda, the gold cartridge game, and you pop it in today, you could very well (laughs) play a game from your childhood that you didn't even know you had. It's called, literally, Second Quest. So, we like to go back and say thanks to our friends over at mentalfloss.com, and uh, thanks to my wife, the producer for this podcast, for finding that information for me to relay to you guys. Now, let's move on to our winner. Now, we um, let me just say that on our website, dadgamerspodcast.com, we have a place where you can implement your email address to be in our monthly drawing. Well, it's episode four, which means it's time for that monthly drawing. Now, even if I... Don't announce you as the winner. Your name will remain, or let me phrase it, your email will remain available for the following month, and so on and so forth. So you want You don't have to re-enter your email. You don't have to do anything like that. It still stays in with the rest. Uh, you should have gotten a welcome email to welcome you to the Dad Gamers Podcast with links in that email so that you could follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all the other things. So double-check your email, make sure you got that welcome email, make sure you are subscribed. If you drop your email and then get the welcome email and unsubscribe, that does back you out of the contest. So make sure you stay subscribed to it. All it's, going to, all it's for is so that we can go back in when we pick the winner and be able to contact you. So again, you don't have to keep doing it. You only have to do it once and you're in it while we'll we run all these contests. Your name will stay in it. Just stay subscribed. Uh, so, let's, without further ado, let's move on to our February winner of the $25 Xbox Live code. And that winner is Jimmy S. Now, Jimmy has already been contacted. And we've already said that we are going to announce him on our podcast. So, there you go, Jimmy. Congratulations. Good job. And he is our February winner. Now... If you are curious and want to play Xbox Live with Jimmy, we do have his gamer tag, and and it is JimDS13. So that's J-I-M-D-S-1-3. You can find Jimmy on there and see, you know, who knows? See what he bought with his $25 Xbox Live gift card game. Maybe you can give him some tips on a game that he hasn't tried yet. Uh, Or you could just, you know play with him because he's a dad like the rest of us and he doesn't have much time so he's gonna need any information he can get on what good games there are to play out there okay dads that'll be the end of it for our show today thank you so much for listening and don't forget to go to dot drop your email because the march contest is right around the corner all right guys thanks for listening oh wait 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 before we end the show i have one more bit of information about the legend of Zelda that I have to let you guys know. So the length of this podcast is approximately 28 minutes and the fastest speed time ran on the legend of Zelda is 27 minutes and 54 seconds. So by the time you listen to this entire podcast from the very beginning to the end, after the last note plays of our music Someone who will have been able to complete The Legend of Zelda in its entirety on a speedrun. That, uh, I've never been able to do a speedrun, so I can't, I couldn't tell you what it looks like. But if you want to check it out, you can go to speedrun.com and you can see people do it. Again, 27 minutes and 54 seconds, basically the length of this podcast and someone beat the entire Legend of Zelda. That's crazy. Anyways, dads, like I said, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.